Good morning, everyone. I'm John Schmidt. I'm a senior pastor here at Centerpoint Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to today's installment of our series that we started out the year with. That's this, that life plus Jesus equals better. I'm going to have a better life if I live Jesus' way than if I live my own way. If you agree with that statement right out of the box, would you say amen? amen. Well, if you're not convinced, then you will. I think you will be after today because we're going to, uh, life plus Jesus, the whole idea behind this is we're looking at some of the teachings of Jesus in his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus sat down on a hillside and told, told his disciples and told us how God wants his people to live. And today, we're going to talk about one of the things that was very important to Jesus, and that was authenticity. So today's message is entitled, Life Minus Hypocrisy Equals Better. If I want a better life in 2015, i got to get rid of the hypocrisy in my life, and so do you. When I live an authentic life, a real life, it's a better life. That's what Jesus came to give us, by the way. More and better life, not a phony life. And when we pretend, man, we're missing out on the best parts of life. And yet it's so easy to do. We can live lives that are all about pretense. They're all about uh, what people think of us, image rather than character. But if we have a godly character, image takes care of itself. You'll see what I mean as we go through this. I want to welcome the folks who are worshiping with us via video at uh, Wetumpka and Cloverdale Pike Road. Glad you're along as well. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, I want to thank you for the opportunity to be here today. I pray that you will help us live genuine lives in 2015. Lord, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't want to be a pretender. I want to be the real deal Christian. I want to really love you and really know you. I want real relationships with my friends and my family. I want to mean what I say and say what I mean. I think everybody here does too. So today I pray, Lord, You'll challenge us through the words of Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. If you need a pen, by the way, raise your hand. One of the ushers will bring one to you so you can take some notes. Um, hypocrite is one of those words where we just kind of transliterate, you know, from an old language into our language, like alleluia in Greek means alleluia in English. There's another word here. Hypocrite comes from a Greek word, an ancient Greek word, hypocrites, and it just means a stage actor, one who pretends to be what he's not. So it would be, according to this old definition, it would be a very accurate statement to say that Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie are hypocrites, okay? That would be extremely accurate because they are very good actors. They're, they're great. I mean, they make you believe all kinds of things that aren't true about them when they're on the screen. And when it's on screen or on the stage, we, we're all fine with acting. The problem comes when it's everyday life. I hate it, and so do you, when people only pretend to be something they're not. We even have phrases for it. Oh, well, he's just a Sunday Christian. Right? Oh, well, yeah, they just pretend. They say that. They don't really mean it. And when we talk like that, we're talking about being an actor. And Jesus said, hey, if you want to have a better life, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus sat down and told people, here's what God expects out of you. God wants authenticity. So you won't be surprised by point one here. In the Bible, it's clear that Jesus hates hypocrisy. He hates pretense. He hates people pretending to be what they're not, especially in a relationship with God. What sorrow awaits you teachers of the religious law, you Pharisees, you hypocrites? For you're like whitewashed tombs. You're beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. I mean, you can find this true. You go to 
play golf with somebody and they've got all the right equipment or you go to play tennis and they've got the right gear and you walk up and go, oh man, this person, they must be great. And then you watch them swing and go, okay, they have, they just got the right gear. Okay. It doesn't take long to find out this person doesn't know how to play, even if they look really sharp. Well, it doesn't take long to find out whether somebody really practices their faith, even if they show up on a Sunday morning at a worship service. Say, hey, I want to do more than show up. I don't want to just look the part. I want to be the part. And Jesus was really angry because there were a lot of religious people in his day, as there could be in our day, where people just wanted to look the part. Yeah, I don't really care if I'm close to God. I just want people to think I'm close to God. And that's not a good thing. That brings us to point two. So Jesus wants us to practice authenticity, and there are three ways, point two, three, and four here, three ways that we can check ourselves to see once whether or not we're the real deal. First of all, Jesus wants us to practice authentic generosity and kindness. Three ways today we're going to evaluate ourselves. Because Jesus is talking, he's saying, hey, you want a better life? you got to be authentic. Don't be an actor. Don't be an actor. Watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly. This is from Matthew 6, verses 1 through 4, Sermon on the Mount. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do it as the hypocrites do, as the actors do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they've received all the reward they'll ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. Jesus said, look, if you want to live a better life... Practice generosity and kindness because you want to do something generous and kind. Not so you get noticed. If you have to have a four-foot-long cardboard check every time you hand somebody something, you probably need to rethink why we're doing it. Point A, God knows what we give and why we give. You can put two words in the margin, the manner and the motive. These are the two things that we could always check ourselves on. Hey, if I'm a real Christian, then what manner, in what manner do I give this? And what is my motive for giving this? What do I give and why do I give it? Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple one day. This is from Mark 12. And he watched as crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts, but then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions, for they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, as poor as she is, has given everything she's had to live on. She had to live on. All around the temple court, there were chests with a padlock on them. They'd have a hole cut in the top, and they'd put a metal funnel uh, to collect the coins. If people didn't have cash, they gave in coins in those days. And so... If you wanted to make a show out of how much you gave, well, you'd bring in a sack of coins, and then you would take it and hold it up high and slowly pour it in, and and people would hear all the money. It's like, ooh, saintly person over there. And people would pour it in, yes, I'm giving a lot to God. Thank you. Okay? And then everybody would be like, ooh, wow. And so Jesus would have said there would have been people all around the courts. You could hear the money dropping in in these chests over there and over here and over here. And along comes this poor widow, and she takes two small coins. Nobody noticed. No sirens went off. And Jesus goes, you see that woman over there? She gave more than all the other people put together. How's that? Well, the other people gave out of their surplus. She gave everything she had because she just wanted to give. 
She wanted to give God something, and that's all she had. And God sees. Now, if I want a reward from heaven, that's all that matters. If I want God to notice and to be pleased, that's all that matters. If I'm given with a sincere heart, if I'm given for people to see, and I need to stand on a box, and I need to dump it in slowly. I talked to a guy once after he, who had really been convicted about this. I spoke about this subject years ago, and he said that there had been a time in his life, and he, was, uh, he said, I'm ashamed to admit it, but there was a time in my life after I became a Christian, I wanted people to know that I had become a Christian, and I was sincere, sincere about Jesus now, and I hadn't read this part of the Bible yet, obviously, and other things, and so he said he would go and get his tithe money. He wanted to start practicing tithing, and so he'd get his money and go in the bank on Friday and get crisp $100 bills and $50 bills according to the amount he was going to give and put in an envelope, and he'd carry it in his suit pocket, and then when the offering plate came, he'd pull out the envelope, and he'd kind of fan out the money and drop it in so the people around him knew he was giving. And then one person one day had taken the passage reading here and underlined it and handed him the Bible. And he went, oh. And he said, that's why I'm telling you. And I said, yeah, I wouldn't tell anybody else. That's really embarrassing. Um, <laughs> no, I didn't shame him. And so if you come and tell me stuff, I won't publicly shame you. But my point is, is that he said, you know, it was really something I had to learn. If I want to get right with God, he's the only one who needs to know what I'm doing anyway. I don't want to be a Sunday Christian. I want to be a real Christian. I don't want to be somebody who dresses the part. I don't want just a resume that's made up of false statements and hope that nobody actually calls any of these references. I want a real resume where people say, no, that's who he really is. That's the way he lives. And we know people like that too. We go, well, what you see is what you get. And Jesus said, you want a better life? Give because you want to give. And that brings us to point B. Paul talked about this in 2 Corinthians 9-7. He was collecting a a fund, he was putting together a fund to help needy Christians during a time of hunger. And he was going around to the early churches collecting offerings. And he said this, each man should give what he's decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Would you say those last five words with me, please? God loves a cheerful giver. One more time. God loves a cheerful giver. A cheerful giver is somebody who wants to give. If you've never experienced that before, well, then it wouldn't hurt you to practice giving sometimes and practice giving some more. It is fun. I mean, it's one of the greatest things you realize when you become a parent and stuff when you're a kid. It's always fun on your birthday when everybody's giving you gifts. What's great when you become a parent is to give your kids gifts and see them light up. I mean, it's fun. And you realize the older you get, the more fun it is to be generous because God's generous. And the better we get at that, the more joy we bring into our lives. And Jesus said, so, hey, if you, you want to check to see if you're the real deal, don't be an actor. Give because you want to give. Don't give to be seen. Give because you want to help. Don't be kind so that people will notice and say, ooh, how kind he is. Be kind because you want to be kind. God loves it when we're kind to each other. He's kind to us. And he loves it when we give generously because he's generous to us. And so if I want a better life in 2015, I've got to get rid of hypocrisy in there. I'm not giving for any other reason except that I want to give. Point three, not only the area of giving, Jesus said it also shows up in the area of prayer. Think of these like a dipstick where you're demanding going, hey, how, how authentic am I? Well, I can know in the, my attitude toward giving, the manner in which I give and the, and the motive for which I give. Also, it comes back to prayer. 
how do I pray? And Jesus had a couple of very important things to say in prayer. First of all, we must never pray to be seen. Pray to be seen. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. And again, you can just write actors above there. Don't be like the people who are acting like spiritual people who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that's all the reward they'll ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. If you flip, the outline, flip your outline over, you'll see Jesus told another story in Luke 18 where he made this even clearer. Two men went into the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. So one was a high and mighty religious type and the other was a notorious sinner. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I'm not a sinner like everyone else for I don't cheat, I don't sin, I don't commit adultery and I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. Jesus said, but the tax collector... He stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh, God, be merciful to me. I'm a sinner. I tell you, the sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. Those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Hey, you want to know if you and I are doing the real thing, being authentic Christians? How do we pray? The only, if the only time we ever pray is when we come to Sunday morning or other things like this, well, we need to step up our game. That's not enough. You can write this statement in the margin somewhere. If you pray in secret, it'll be no secret that you pray. If you pray in secret, it'll be no secret that you pray. It's kind of like doing your homework. If you do your homework, it'll be no secret when the pop quiz comes. It's no secret. It's true. Hey, if I pray in secret, it's going to be no secret that I pray. And Jesus said, look, here's the way I want you to pray. I don't want you to pray and stand up for show. This isn't about praying long, flowery prayers, using all the right English. Yea, thee, and therefore thou untest thee, okay, or whatever, okay? We could put all kinds of flowery language and go, ooh, and Jesus said, well, if that's the kind of prayer, if you want to pray something so that everybody will think that you know how to pray, well, that's all the reward you're going to get. If you want God to listen to you, then talk to him like he's a real person. And he's a God. He's God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He wants us to talk to him like he's real. So he said, if you have a problem, talk to God about it. Well, how do I do that? Well, don't gather a crowd around and say, hey, I want to let you know how great a prayer person I am, what a prayer warrior I am. Go to your room, close the door, and pray. Tell them what's on your mind. A friend of mine once, it was so funny. If you knew this guy, he's a nut. Uh, we had done some Bible studying together, and we talked about this whole thing about not being loud and showy in our prayers. And we went to get a lunch together one time, and, and I should have seen this coming, and I didn't. But he said, can I pray for us? And I said, sure. And so he stood up in the restaurant, and he said, oh, Lord, I thank you that I'm having lunch with John Schmidt. He is a holy man. Amen. And sat down. And I go, wow. You know, and I was like every shade of red. I go, why did you do that? He goes, I just wanted you to have a sermon illustration. And so, yeah, I got one. There you go. But you know what? If you were there that day, you would have gone, what the heck was that? And you've been right to say that, because that's, right, that's not a real prayer. 
It's not a real prayer. A real prayer is not for show. It's not so anybody's listening in except God himself. Does it mean it's wrong to pray around a table? Of course not. It's the manner and your motive. You're praying to be seen? You're praying because you want to pray. Jesus said, hey, don't pray to be seen. Also, we must not babble. This is point B. We must not babble when we pray. We should talk to God like he's our father. Here's how Jesus said it. When you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again, like a magic incantation. If I just say the words over and over again, then eventually the God will have to give the God that I'm praying to will have to give me whatever I'm asking for. Don't be like them, for your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Instead, pray like this. Please underline pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. And so Jesus said, if you want to talk to God, close the door, tell him what you need, and pray to him like he's your father. Don't babble, saying words over and over again, thinking you need to do this to get his attention. He's listening. He made you. He knows exactly what you need. I mean, as an earthly father, if my children want something, and they come in and go, ah, like this, I don't go, oh, wow, that's endearing. I'd love to listen to you more now. Please do that again. Only this time, throw your back in it and roll around on the floor. Can we get that? No. In fact, we tell our kids, hey, 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 hey. No tantrums here. You don't have to dance around. You don't have to scream. You don't have to slam things down. You don't have to jump up and down. I'm your father. I'm listening. In fact, I'd prefer it if you just sit down, close the door, and tell me what you need. Now look, if I as an earthly father know that much, why wouldn't our heavenly father know that much? And that's what Jesus said. He said, look, hey, you want a better life? Talk to God about real things in a real way. He's really listening. So when you pray, pray like this. Our Father, who's in heaven, remind yourself he's your Father, but he's your Holy Father. Hallowed be your name. God, I want to be a real Christian. I want to be a follower. So I would say, I want your will to be done in my life as it is in heaven. Lord, give me what I need for today. Don't give me too much, because then I'll get self-sufficient and not depend on you. Don't give me too little, because I'll be tempted to steal. Lord, I want you to forgive me my sins, so help me forgive others. I can't go around asking for forgiveness if I'm not willing to forgive. And Lord, protect me from the devil. He's like a roaring lion prowling around, and Lord, I need your help. Protect me from him. And Jesus said, when you pray like that, now you're saying real prayers. Don't babble like pagans. There's even a marvelous story in the Old Testament where this was lived out. It's from uh, 1 Kings chapter 18. Israel at the time had drifted far from God. Instead of worshiping the creator God of the whole universe, they decided they would copy the worship of their neighbors who lived around them. And in the land of Canaan, there were Canaanite deities that people worshipped. One was the, a fertility agricultural god, a god who could somehow, or they believed, could control the weather. His name was Baal. And so this god, this worship, this false worship of Baal became very popular, and God sent the prophet Elijah to the wicked king Ahab, who was the king of the Israelites at the time, said, you need to quit worshipping Baal, but Ahab wouldn't listen. And so... 
the Lord said through Elijah, told Elijah, Elijah, tell Ahab, well, if you're going to worship this weather God, then tell him it's not going to rain again until I give the word. And then Elijah disappeared for over three years. The whole place goes into ruins. The grass all dries up. The trees are dying. Cattle have died. People have died. Everything's falling apart. And Elijah shows up. And he goes, you ready to listen now? And he called all the people together for a showdown, a final showdown between the real God and this little statue of Baal, the weather god, who in some of the statues is a little man holding a lightning bolt. It hadn't rained for over three years, and they've been praying to the weather god the whole time. And Elijah's going, it's time you change channels here, okay? This isn't working. So he says, there's a ridge up near the Mediterranean Sea, a place called Mount Carmel. I want to meet you up there. We'll build two altars. We're going to settle this once and for all. You guys haven't listened after... More than three years of drought, you still haven't figured this out, so we're going to end this. We're going to build two altars, pile up some stones, we'll kill an animal, and put the animal on, we'll put the meat on each of the altars, and we'll put the wood on there first, put the animal's meat on top of that, and then we're going to call on, on our respective gods. You guys call on Baal, I'll call on the real God, and we'll ask him to send fire from heaven, a lightning bolt from heaven, to set the offering on fire shouldn't be hard for you guys. I mean, your God has a lightning bolt in his hand. I mean, I'm sure he can spare one. So you guys go first. And that's where we jump in. This is from 1 Kings chapter 18. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull given to them and prepared it. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Oh, Baal, answer us, they shouted, but there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar they'd made. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he's a god. Maybe he's deep in thought, or he's busy, or he's traveling. Maybe he's sleeping, and he must be awakened. So they shouted louder, and they slashed themselves with swords and spears, as was their custom, until the blood flowed. Midday passed, and they continued their frantic prophesying until a time for the evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. Because Baal isn't real. And now you know why God hates it when we do that to him. Dance around, trying to say magic phrases. People saying, oh, you got to cut yourself and you got to show all kinds of stuff. And Jesus is saying, well, no, you, you never do any of that. I mean, that's what these pagans did because they were pretending the whole thing was made up. By the way, you always wonder what that sounded like after the end of six hours after they'd lost a lot of blood. Oh, well, oh, well. They're passing out. Yeah, whatever. And Elijah goes, tells all the people, come over here. He built a simple altar, put wood on it. They sacrificed the bull. He cut the pieces of meat and put it on top of it. And he said, I want you to dig a trench around the whole thing. And I want you to bring enough water that we soak it completely. And so they soaked the whole thing three times. The meat, the wood, the stones. They even dug a trench around it so the trench was full of water. Didn't want anybody thinking that the thing kind of accidentally, spontaneously combusted. Okay? And then he prayed. At the time of the evening sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and he prayed. And here's the whole prayer. Not six hours of dancing around, no cutting himself with knives, nothing like that. Here's the whole prayer in its entirety. O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are the God in Israel, that you are God in Israel, and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. That's the whole prayer. As soon as he finishes saying this, fire from the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the soil, 
also looked up all the water in the trench and it says all the people fell face down. They said, the Lord is the real God. Yeah. He is. No cutting himself with knives, no dancing around. And Jesus is saying the same thing. I'm real. I'm not looking for flowery prayers for show. You don't have to repeat the same thing over and over again. You don't have to stamp your feet and dance around. Close the door and tell me what's on your mind. And I will answer. I am God Almighty and I love you. Man, that's the kind of prayer life I want. I think you do too. Why would I want a prayer that only matters if other people see it? Why would I want to be the type of person who has to dance around and say magic words? I'm not that kind of person. You're not, you don't want to be that kind of person. You want to be the real thing. No acting. The priests of Baal are just actors. I don't want an Academy Award for best pretend pastor in a leading role. Best supporting small group person. No acting here. Just the real thing. So we're going to pray earnestly. Do our business with God in private. We're not going to babble over and over again. We're just going to say what we need. So Jesus said, I want you to give generously and be kind authentically. I want you to pray authentically. And thirdly, this is point four here, I want you to fast authentically. Now, a lot of us don't do fasting very well. We do a lot of feasting in America, but we don't do much fasting. The fasting would be to deny ourselves water or food or anything else for that matter for a period of time so that we can get more in touch with the spiritual dimension of our life. We can set aside extra time to pray because we're more than just animals, more than just fleshly creatures. I mean, fasting is done the right way. It reminds us, like Paul said, you could write the margin, 1 Corinthians 9, I think it's verse 27, where he says, I buffet my body and make it my slave. We have bodies, but we are spiritual people. We are souls that, that have bodies. And there are times we need to remind ourselves, who's in charge here? Because if we're not clear on that, and that's the whole idea behind fasting and stuff, that get our attention on spiritual things. And so if we want to sp devote a special time for additional prayer and a time to really say, hey, Lord, I want to focus on you and where you're leading me in my life. I want to free up disk space in my mind and free up time on my calendar to do that. The Lord says, that's great. The problem was, is that some of the religious people in his day were doing that for religious show. Point A, God is not impressed with public displays of religious self-sacrifice. The religious people of Jesus' day were doing this for show. Just like the prayers. You know when they pray, oh Lord, I thank you, I'm not like this sinner. God doesn't hear prayers like that. There are also people on days of fasting when they should have been spending additional time in God, in, with God in private and prayer, they're trying to be out in public letting everybody know how spiritual they are. And when you fast, don't make it obvious. This is Matthew 6, starting with verse 16. As the hypocrites do, the actors do, they try to look miserable and disheveled so people admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that's the only reward they'll ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face, and then no one will notice your fasting except your father who knows what you do in private, and your father who sees everything will reward you. Jesus isn't impressed with that. One day a year, the Israelites were commanded to fast on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. 
But as we'd heard before in Luke 18 illustration, the Pharisees would fast twice a week. They'd fast every Monday and Thursday. And they made sure everybody knew about it. They would wear dark clothing and they'd dump ashes on their head and they'd go around looking like they were really hungry all day. And people go, oh my, what a spiritual person. He looks so hungry. Yes. And, people, and Jesus goes, come on. Hey, if you're fasting, it's the manner and the motive again. If you're going to do this, comb your hair, wash your face, don't even tell anybody. Hey, where, where's Bill? Where's John? Where's Susie? Where are they at lunch? Like, I don't know. They said they had an appointment. Well, the appointment was they were private, spending their lunchtime in prayer. Extra devotional time. That's a good thing. But don't brag about it. Isaiah 58, people were fasting in that day too, and the Lord was angry at them. We have fasted before you, the people say. Why aren't you impressed, God? We've been very hard on ourselves, and you don't even notice it. I'll tell you why, the Lord responds. It's because you're fasting to please yourselves. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? That kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. And that brings us to the last point, that God is impressed with obedience. He's not impressed with show. He's impressed with obedience. The whole point of fasting would be more in tune with God. Additional time in prayer. Focus on the spiritual dimension of life. Focus on scripture. Focus on additional time to get in tune with him. And so the whole point of it would be obedience. And he says, so what's the point of fasting if you're not going to listen to what I tell you? To obey, he says, what's more pleasing to the Lord, Samuel said. What's more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, Obedience is better than sacrifice. Submission is better than offering the fat of rams. And you see how that all ties in together with everything we said today. You want to give? Give. Because you want to give. And God will give you joy when you do it freely. God loves a cheerful giver. You want to pray? Pray. Don't do it for show. Don't think you have to say magic words and repeat prayers over and over again. And God has somehow impressed with that. He's not. And when you fast, you take special time to honor the Lord. Don't go around to prove everybody how holy you are. God wants us to be much more than Sunday Christians. He wants us to be authentic Christ followers. Life done Jesus' way is better. Life without hypocrisy, without acting or pretending, is better. See, when we act and pretend, we get a pretend life, and God wants us to have real life. And that's the thing that people notice, by the way, too. We all respect that in every area of life. When somebody really knows what they're talking about, we love listening to them. And that's the way the Lord wants us to be. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I just pray that you will help us be real Christians this year. God, I don't want to pretend to read my Bible and tell people they ought to read the Bible when I don't read it. I don't want to pretend to be generous when I don't give anybody a dime. I don't want to pretend to pray, and then when somebody asks me to pray, I go, I don't know how to pray because I never really do. Lord, I don't want to go around looking all holy and miserable. We've got enough miserable acting Christians already. 
So, Lord, I just pray that you'd fill our hearts with joy, that we'd give joyously, and we'd pray reverently and honestly. When we set aside special time and we even fast and take additional time to pray about things that are heavy on our hearts, people wouldn't even know. You'd know. Lord, we're praying to you anyway. We're not praying for show. We're not giving for show. You don't want us to do anything for show because we're not actors. Actors need a stage. Real Christians just need you. In just a moment of silence, there's an area in your life where the Lord has spoken to you about your attitude, the manner, or your motive of doing something. Would you just confess it to him right now and say, Lord, you know. Lord, you know I'm not where I need to be. I'm sorry. Forgive me, Father, and make me the person you want me to be. And if you mean that, just pray it silently. We are. He'll, he'll hear you. Oh, God, I thank you that you sent Jesus into this world to die on the cross for our sins. I thank you you sent Jesus into this world to tell us how to live and to model all this perfectly. Lord, help us be like Jesus. Oh, Father, I pray that we'll talk to you like you're our Father. We won't be looking for magic words or what phrases we need to repeat ten times in order to get the car or get the job. We're talking to you and saying, God, do you want me to have this? What is your will? I want your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. I thank you, Lord, that you are always more ready to listen than we are to pray. And that you love it when we just come to you honestly, truthfully, with our hearts wide open. And finally, Lord, I pray that you will give us the courage to obey what you tell us to do. I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Help us to be the real deal Christians, Lord. Not Sunday Christians, not actors, not pretenders. Got enough of those. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.